One problem facing people at many levels of business is how to make time for a work life and a personal life. Do you find that one seems to keep getting in the way of the other? This is the Work-Life Balance with Rick Morris. Even if you're not involved in the business world, you'll have a lot to gain by tuning in to today's show. Now, here is your host, Rick Morris. And welcome to the Work-Life Balance this Friday afternoon. I'm back live. I apologize for the replay last week. We actually got caught up uh, in Richmond, Virginia. Um, and so... Um, Last time we talked, uh, I was just about to host the PMI Expo, uh, which we did with about 27,000 people, 27,000 unique people live uh, at that event. So we got an opportunity to host that. That was a lot of fun. Um, we did that from Richmond because we had the Professional Development Day in Richmond, Virginia, um, following two days. So we were with uh, friends of the show, John Stenbeck, uh, Michael O'Brocta has been on the show. Uh, we've had several of the, the speakers that were there on the show before, so uh, we, we participated in that on last Thursday and Friday. This week, we were in Kansas City, um, and then coming up, of course, next week, uh, we'll be in Buffalo, and the following week, we'll be in Buffalo, and then going out to the Leadership Institute meetings uh, in Los Angeles, so we get a lot of, so it's busy, it's busy, and you know what, busy is good. So what we thought we would do today um, is I've had several conversations with clients uh, recently, and we started talking about uh, really they're looking to for us to come in and assist them in an agile implementation that that has failed. And so I thought I'd title today's show "Agile Clowns and and How to Stop Them." So I really want to start talking through what are some of the key things, some of the common issues, uh, and and some things that you should be asking your agilist. So I've I've met with. Um, I met with a company that is, you know, eight months into an agile transformation and, and fired their their uh, person. I, I talked to a company this week that's in a current transformation and then talked to another company this week that's just starting their journey. And I really think that this information is, is relevant to, to all of us. So let's let's get into agile transformation. And first, I'll start with, um, you know, my definition of an agile clown. Um, and, and the reason why I use that, it's, it's much funnier when you see it live, but um, what I say is, is if, you know, I want to be an Olympic athlete, um, I can't hire, uh, you know, a, an offbeat trainer and Ronald McDonald as my nutritionist. Now, when I say that from stage, I, I put the pictures up behind me. And so I say the reason why I use Ronald McDonald is because there's a lot of clowns in this industry. There's a lot of people that when a new fad like this gets started, um, there, there's a lot of uh, people who are wanting to do a transition like this that just jump into it and start calling themselves experts. Um, I think, um, you know, it, they, they start, uh, and, and you can always tell a clown to me with the one that says, we're going to start by training the entire organization. And we'll talk about that. But before we, before we get into this, so to me, that's an agile clown, right? Agile clown is, they, they know one methodology. They... Um, if you try to take them outside that methodology, then then they start to panic. Uh, they have um, they can't really transition and speak to all levels, meaning they can't talk to executives down to practitioners. Um, and you know they they're just kind of a one trick pony. That to me is an agile clown. And unfortunately, there's a lot of them out there. So before I get into this, we'll talk quickly what you know what I feel or what's qualified me to even speak about this. So. My personal journey, I've been in project management, you know, 20 plus years and, uh, which is amazing, you know, cause I'm 23 years old, but, um, what, what I started to see is I started to run into some of these clowns. They, they would say, um, you know, things like, um, you know, we don't need project management anymore because we're agile. And I was like, wait a minute, right. That that's what piqued my interest. And, you know, when I first heard about agile and started to see it come to the market, I thought it was going to be just another fad. I mean, I've lived through the ISO craze. I lived through the Six Sigma craze. I've been through the ITIL craze, through the PMO development craze, and now we're on to the Agile craze, right? And so I'm like, whatever. It's just a fad. That'll be that. But I started to see a lot of my clients starting to follow some of this information and, and you know, abandoning project management as a whole for Agile. 
And, you know, I would bump up against, um, you know, people that are out there in the industry and, and get into philosophical arguments with them for clients. So, for instance, I was one, at one client, and from an executive standpoint, we had to project the cost of all the things that we were doing to the CFO. And so I was meeting with their agile coach. And at this point, I didn't really know much about agile. And I said, look, um, you know, I understand the sprints. I understand that you've got dedicated teams for two weeks. I understand um, that they're working on this product. So what we'll do is just take the team, their salary for 80 hours, and we'll project that as a cost. And she goes, you know, you can't do that. I said, why? She goes, well, we do everything by story points and story points don't equate to hours. Okay, um, I understand that to a point, but we have time boxed it. There is two weeks. We know the people there. We know what they're doing. So why can't we just do that? Well, you can't do that because we do story points. I was like, okay, so walk me through a sprint. Walk me through the effort. And she walks me through and it ends up that, you know, it could be 60 hours, could be 90 hours worth of work. But the point being is we're dedicating a team to it. We're funding a team to it. So to me, that's all 80 hours. And we went back and forth. And so I finally had to end the argument with going, well, I'll tell you what, we'll let you continue to do everything by story point, like you're saying. And again, I'm not invalidating story point. I think it's brilliant. Um, and I love how we work with it. But at some point, it still has to translate to a value into a cost because that's just the way business works. And so I said, well, we'll let you say things like, you know, we can't use these hours and we can't use this cost because you're doing story point if you let me pay you by story points. And she was like, what? What do you mean? And I was like, right. So I said, you get a check every week. And she goes, yep. And I said, what is that based on? She goes, it's my salary. And I said, that salary is based on what? She said, 80 hours. I said, yep, but we're not doing hours anymore. We're doing story points. So we'll start paying you in mythical story points and uh, we'll see if that cost translation doesn't make it back to you. And of course, she changed her tune, but that's the, the hard-headedness that I was running into when I was running into these Angelus. And I started to get frustrated and I said, all right, I got to know more. I, I need to really dive into these. I really need to understand what we're doing and, and go for it. So I went through a certified Scrum Agile Master Training, which was actually a, a deep dive into the 17 methodologies that are out there. I then went and got SAFE certified. I then went and got my Scrum Master certifications, and, and even better, had a great opportunity to participate with 12 phenomenal authors in, in writing the Agile Almanac book, too. Um, so I would call John Stenbeck, and he, he and I would you know, shoot ideas back and forth. We'd talk to the other authors. We've had a chance. You know, we've had Scott Ambler on the show, who you know, is the disciplined Agile person. We've talked to Dean Leffingwells. And so I just went and, and sought every expert I could find and started doing it. And, and then as a game, and I've actually done it on the show, so if you go back and, and listen to any of the podcasts where we've had any of the Agile authors on, um, I'd run them through the things that I was hearing that, that made me start my Agile journey. I'd, I'd say, so uh, what do you say to we don't need project management anymore, we're Agile, or uh, we don't document anymore because we're Agile, or we can't tell you when we're going to be done because we're Agile, and got their feedback. So... Um, that's kind of my journey of how I've got here and how I started to figure out who really knew what they were talking about from an agile perspective and who are the clowns. And uh, we're going to go through some of now the, the things that, that I'm really starting to see um, that distinguishes it. So the, so the first thing that I'll bring up is uh, teaching the, the process versus the concept. And here's what I mean by that. Agile really, technically, right, you, you have methodologies that describe an agile way. But to me, agile is a mindset and agile is a way of thinking and an agile, agile is a way of, of organizing. Now, you've got multiple different things that you can do, right? So you have Scrum, Save, uh, Large Scale Scrum, all the different things that are out there. But agile is an agile thinking is a mindset to me. And so then you can have these methodologies that support the mindset, but people need to understand the concept more than the process. And so what I'm seeing as I work with organizations is that they're doing like a, so for example, they'll do a retrospective, but they don't understand what they're supposed to be doing in the retrospective, how they're supposed to be doing a retrospective and what the concept behind the retrospective is. So that means the agile person that was there 
trained them on the process. You do A before you do B before you do C, but then they didn't train them on what's the concept and what's the goal and what are we trying to do with these meetings. Furthermore, what would happen then is if somebody didn't understand a meeting or didn't like a meeting or wasn't sure of the business value of the meeting, they, they just they just did it anyway. They, they just because that's the agile clown. They're just, well, this is all I know. I only know this one process. I only know that you're supposed to get these results. Don't know exactly what those results are, but I'm here to tell you, you should get them. And that's what I mean then by the point that I'm trying to make, which is, right, an agile clown will teach the process, not the concept. So when we start to get into iterative planning and we start to get into doing stand-ups and start to do retrospectives, the concept of what we're trying to get accomplished is what should be trained, not necessarily the fact that you should have the meeting. So what I'm seeing is because most of these processes were created uh, for software development or, or certainly refined in the software development area, you've got all these companies that do quasi software development or do just off the shelf type of stuff or manufacturing companies, pharmaceutical companies, labs, that that some of those um, processes need to be altered to fit the business. And so if they don't understand truly themselves, the agile clown doesn't understand truly themselves what the concept is behind it, they're just teaching the process, then they're going to only you know serve 60%. And uh, while we were on the Business Agility Conference uh, with PMI, we had 27,000 people there. We were talking with Colin Ellis, and Colin referred to a study out of the UK that said over 94% of the agile uh, transformations uh, that were going on failed. And as you start to dig into that, one of the first points of failure truly was the fact that they were teaching the process versus the concept. So when you're interviewing an agile coach, you should start trying to take them immediately out of that process. Like what if a standup doesn't work? What if a retrospective doesn't work? What if we need to alter what we're trying to do to fit our business process and see what they say? And that is going to be our first tip. We've got several other tips on the show. We're talking about agile clowns and how to stop them. You're listening to the Work-Life Balance with Rick Morris. In today's hyper-fast, super-competitive business world, on time is now too late. On budget is now too expensive. And today's innovation is tomorrow's antique, which means app releases that used to happen regularly now need to happen continuously, while always delivering experiences that keep your customers coming back for more. In other words, you need to be agile, and there's no better way to get there than with agile management from CA Technologies, a complete set of solutions and services that make agility a reality so you can anticipate and rapidly respond to change and immediately incorporate customer feedback, build a flexible bridge between ideas and execution, and transform app delivery from an endpoint into an always-on part of your development lifecycle while ensuring an exceptional service experience. So be the one who wins. App after app, day after day, with Agile Management from CA. Winning in the application economy means executing a business strategy that gets the hottest products and apps out the door and into market faster than ever before. But what happens when hot is suddenly not? Can you instantly pivot and prioritize your plans and investment portfolio to react to the new reality and make sure your strategy is right on target? You will with CA Project and Portfolio Management the proven solution that enables agile, effective decision-making across your entire investment portfolio. Unlike other tools, CAPPM is designed to work the way you do. Doers are empowered, planners are enabled, helpers are elevated, and customers are engaged. All while you maximize performance and portfolio value. It's little wonder that CAPPM is the industry leader with more than 2 million happy users worldwide, not to mention world-class consulting and implementation partners. So why not give CA Project and Portfolio Management a closer look 
and make everything you've got put you out in front. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You are tuned in to the Work-Life Balance. To reach Rick Morris or his guest today, we'd love to have you call into the program at 1-866-472-5790. Again, that's 1-866-472-5790. If you'd rather send an email, Rick can be reached at rmorris at rsquaredconsulting.com. Now back to the Work-Life Balance. And we are back to this week of the Work-Life Balance. We're talking about Agile Clowns and how to stop them. And uh, we just talked about kind of the, you know, the first step that I look for, which is, you know, are they teaching the concept? Or are they teaching the process? The, the second thing is, is ask them, you know, what executives should do. So you ask your Agile Transformation, what, how, how do we work with the executives? And because what I'm seeing more than anything right now is that the executives are on board with agile transformations, uh, but there's two key things that that I think are um, misaligned when we look at that. The first thing is is the concept that because we're going agile, we're going to be faster, and that's not necessarily the case. It's about iterating. It's about um, yes, it's about trying to get to a, a minimally viable product, but it's also about the negotiation of scope versus what we're being delivered. So if you think about it. Uh, if I've got an 18-month project, uh, a lot of times you have to wait till the 18th month in order to get results. Really, what going agile means is working on the most important things first that generate value. And so maybe we can release a product in four months that is usable, but maybe doesn't have all the features that you're looking for. And then in another four months, add on features. In another four months, add on features. The the difference in that iteration is instead of having to wait till month 18 to begin uh, recouping any of the investment or ROI, then you could be in month four, right? Or, or, or even sooner. But that's the point of iteration. It doesn't necessarily mean we're going to develop any faster. We're going to work any faster than we did before. It's it's about establishing a mindset of of, of recouping the investment faster. But that's not what most executives hear. Most executives they hear, oh, we're going agile, so we're going to be able to do four times the work than what we're doing today, and that's not true. The second major misalignment point is in reporting, and this is very evident. Meaning, what we begin to do in agile is fund initiatives and not necessarily projects. And we fund strategy, but not necessarily projects. And so what will happen in your standard waterfall project is, you know, you you have some scope, you develop a plan, and then you begin to report against that plan. And the things that they want to know about are, you know, what are the milestones? What percent complete are we? How are we doing? What's our budget look like? That is waterfall reporting. Agile really is about, you know, how many story points did we complete? What's the minimally viable product? When can we start uh, bringing value? And by development task, what value are, are we contributing? And so it's really two different styles of reporting. And so what will happen is the executives will say, yes, go Agile. But then in the first month, they'll be going, well, where's our milestone chart? What's our percent complete? How, where are we on budget? All these other things that, although important, they're, they're going agile while demanding the reporting still be in a waterfall format. So that means your coach has to really work with the executives from the beginning to understand what are the key metrics and tools that we're going to report out of? What are the key indicators to make sure that we are developing scope and value and everything else? But if you think about traditional waterfall, you're, you're basically looking at the triple constraints. So, you know, did we complete the scope? How long did it take? And, and how much did it cost? Well, that's, you know, waterfall. If you're looking agile, it's more what is the value that we've generated for the cost of the team? And so it's just a, it's, it's a, it's a tweak of, of language. It's a tweak of reporting. But you can't really cross-promote that. You can't be going agile and asking for you know, milestone chart, because quite frankly, if you're doing agile properly, the milestone chart's going to be the same every time. It's going to be sprint one, sprint two, sprint three, sprint four, release, right? Sprint one, sprint two, sprint three, sprint four, release. So it's, it's, it's about really 
being a little bit more predictive, and it's also about making sure that um, we're working on the most important things first. So instead of devoting time to creating status reports and budgets and all the other stuff that we used to do in project management, we should be sitting down and spending that amount of time uh, analyzing the value, um, going through and making sure that we understand what we're funding and you know following through on that stuff. So going agile while demanding uh, reporting and waterfall is a clear sign that, that there's an agile clown. The, the other thing, and in, 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 it goes with it, right? But you want to make sure that you're aligning value and strategy prior to funding your agile teams. So, so many people go agile and, and, and you know, and I'm all about pilot. And we'll, we'll talk about that in a second. But they'll say, okay, we're going to do agile on this one project. But that's still really not agile because really what, what you want to be able to do is cross project dependency. You know, it, basically you're dropping the project things. So, what they're doing is they're funding a project still, which means they're not changing the, the initiative structure. And they're saying, oh, we're going to do this project agile. All they're doing is changing the ceremonies within the project. They're really not going agile or, or in an agile mindset. So you want to make sure that one of the first things you do in an agile transformation is to look at the strategic portfolio Look at the strategies and values and begin to align your teams so that it may be multiple products that we're working on, but that we're, we're focused on a specific strategic goal or a specific strategic value that we, one, can measure. And so I'll give you a great example, too. So, um, you know, maybe your strategic goal is to improve customer satisfaction, right? That, that's, that's one of the favorites out there. We're going to improve um, customer satisfaction, so when I'm working with an executive, I say, well, okay, well, tell me what that means. And they go, what are you, what are you talking about? We're, our customers are going to be more satisf satisfied. Yeah, we're going we're to have better ratings. And I go, yeah, but, but, but what's the metric? <coughs> Excuse me. What's the metric that we're going to utilize? So if, if I make one customer slightly happier than they are right now, do I win? Or are we looking for more than that? They go, oh, we're looking for more than that, of course. Okay, so what are we looking for? And you have to walk them through to where really what we're trying to say is that we want to improve customer satisfaction by, you know, by increasing customer retention rates by 20%. Okay, well, now I got something. So now that we've broken that down to be able to say improve customer retention rates by, by 20%, then we can sit down and, and say, well, what products does that touch? What areas do we need to work on that we think we can get the biggest bang for, for our dollar on, on increasing customer retention? Where, where are the areas of improvement? And you form teams around that and fund those teams. When you're doing it in reverse, what they're doing is saying, well, we've got this project. Well, the project's already selected. Right, Agile is about discovery, it's about failing fast, it's about generating good ideas, it's about a lot of things. Um, but if you've just selected a project from your portfolio and say, we're going to turn that into an Agile team, then, then you're not getting the larger scope of what Agile can bring. So you have to sit down and align value and strategy prior to funding your Agile teams so you know which teams to form and what to fund. Uh, I worked with an organization recently. They had three different products that they said, you know, we're, we're, we're taking the, agi the, the products agile. Um, and then they were trying to do big room planning with three distinctly different products with, with three different distinct strategy goals. And they were struggling in finding out how to get the teams to communicate with each other. I was like, well, it's <laughs> pretty simple why that's not working because they're all aligned to different strategic values. They're all aligned to different things. Um, we need to do better team alignment to, to understand that, which means that that actually leads me to another point is the reason why they align those teams by product is because that's what was dictated by their agile clown. That's what was told to them by their agile clown to say, this is, you know, how you, you do everything by product. Well, yeah, that's, that's what the methodology says, and that's what most people do, and in most organizations, that works. But for this specific company, 
it didn't fly. It's not working. And, and, and they have shared resources. They work on multiple products. So you can't just really align them around a single product team. And as soon as you start taking, you know, a clown outside their, their methodology, then they start to, to panic. So you want to make sure that you're aligning teams by a more strategic value um, in, in, into a goal versus just necessarily by product. Now, if you are aligned by product, I'm not saying that's wrong. I'm just saying, though, we have to be able to speak in a way that, that makes sense for all of us and have the people near us to achieve a goal. I'll give you another example. I uh, worked with an organization, and they were developing internally a process with the goal of that uh, to, to, to make it faster for them to go to market and, and go to billing for their customer through this process. And that's perfect for lean right? That's, that's perfect for agile thinking. But what they didn't know is what benefit any of the coding that they were doing was going to be. And so I, I kept saying, well, how do we know what the most important work is? And they were like, well, it's all important. So of course it's all important, but how do we know what's most important? And so we sat down, we said, what's the, what's the problem we're trying to solve, right? And the problem that they were trying to solve is it you know it took X amount of hours of work and X amount of days to release from the point that they got the order to where they could release the order to the customer, right? That that was that. And I said, okay, so what are the repetitive tasks? And so if you code this one piece, how much time does that save? And they said, we have no idea. And I was like, well, how many days would you shave off by completing this, this feature, this component? I don't know. I said, okay, well, let, let, let's start there. So we then charted out the entire process in how it existed that, at that time, what it currently takes. So we know all of our time studies. Then we sat down and said, okay, it would take us 30 hours to develop some code that would automate this one portion. If we do that, that would save you know, four hours of time uh, per uh, instance, and there's a thousand instances. So that makes sense. That's something we're going to do first. And that's something that we could deploy right now that we could start immediately saving that time while we're developing other components. And that made sense. So what we were able to do then is look at each feature that we were doing, assign that a time and savings value so that we could stack rank those and know what we should put into each sprint. Hopefully that makes sense. So you've got to be able to understand what you're doing, how that aligns to value, how that value aligns to the executives so they understand the reporting of it, and then go after the work. So we're going to take a break right here. We'll come back with some other tips. And, and I'll talk about a case study that we just did um, with, uh, with uh, an Agile transformation and um, continue this talk uh, of Agile clowns and how to stop them. We'll be right back on the Work-Life Balance. You're listening to Rick Morris. Are you frustrated with the overall productivity of your project management processes? Do you lack consistency in project delivery? R-Squared Consulting provides end-to-end services to assist companies of all sizes in realizing and improving the value of project management. Whether you want to build a project management office, train project managers, or learn how to bring the oversight and governance to your project processes, R-Squared has tailored best practices to help you in all areas of project management. Visit rsquaredconsulting.com. Winning in the application economy means executing a business strategy that gets the hottest products and apps out the door and into market faster than ever before. But what happens when hot is suddenly not? Can you instantly pivot and prioritize your plans and investment portfolio to react to the new reality and make sure your strategy is right on target? You will with CA Project and Portfolio Management, the proven solution that enables agile, effective decision-making across your entire investment portfolio. Unlike other tools, CAPPM is designed to work the way you do. Doers are empowered, planners are enabled, helpers are elevated, and customers are engaged. All while you maximize performance and portfolio value. It's little wonder that CAPPM is the industry leader with more than 2 million happy users worldwide, not to mention world-class consulting and implementation partners. So why not give CA Project and Portfolio Management a closer look and make everything you've got put you out in front? Mm-hmm. 
Are you getting the most out of your project management software? In many cases, it is not the software that is failing, but the implementation, limitations, or processes surrounding the use of that software. R-Squared can analyze your current use and help improve your return on investment. R-Squared can also suggest the best software for your organization and goals and assist in the selection, implementation, and training. Allow R-Squared to ensure that you are getting the value of your investment. Visit rsquaredconsulting.com today. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You are tuned in to the Work-Life Balance. To reach Rick Morris or his guest today, we'd love to have you call into the program at 1-866-472-5790. Again, that's 1-866-472-5790. If you'd rather send an email, Rick can be reached at rmorris at rsquaredconsulting.com. Now, back to the Work-Life Balance. And we are back. We've been talking about Agile Clowns, how to stop them. I gave you several points in the last segment. So if you're just joining us and, and want to pick up those points, uh, certainly listen to the, the podcast and, and make sure that you get a chance to, to hear those. I want to move in and just tell a brief case story of a, of a client that we recently just completed. Um, so to set it up, they're a very large insurance company, very large insurance company. And they hired this agile transformation consultant to come in and help them do agile. And so to make a really long story short, uh, they spent $350,000 on the training with the, the transformation. So they trained everybody in the company. They started to align teams and started doing things. Well, as they started to implement the process, they started running into challenges. And so when reality began to challenge alignment, then essentially they started pushing back on the consultant and they started asking them about, you know, business challenges, how to scale this, how to report to executives, things like that. And the consultant really didn't know, didn't know how to answer the questions. And so they'd finished spending $350,000 and essentially when reality was, was challenging the alignment, the consultant quit. He just left, said, you look, you guys probably aren't the company for me and they quit. Now, <clears throat> granted, there could be action to the consultant and things of that sort to, to recoup the cost. The amount of transformation and change that was introduced to the organization was untenable. They were like halfway done. And so now they have to start having conversations about, you know, what do we do next? What do we, you know, do we abandon Agile? What's going on? So they came back to us in in. They actually interviewed like 25 different firms and, and we got a chance to interview for the job and they asked us a lot of tough questions and we, we had the opportunity to, to answer them and in, in, in the business. So uh, what we first did is exactly what we were talking about as far as the points um, in the previous segment. But the first thing we did was meet with the executives and align strategy and value. So we, we sat down and started to understand you know, what is strategy? What is value? Um, what are we trying to measure? And, and had all those conversations with them. We, we got some measurable targets from the executives that we could report on. And so then we sat down and realigned all the different teams to strategy versus product. That's, that's what we ended up doing in this specific area. Again, I'm not saying alignment to product um, is wrong. It's just that there's sometimes there's a lot of cross product activity so that you can roll that into a strategy and have larger teams, um, you know, and doing release trains and that stuff. That's where kind of a safe methodology really starts to work out very well. Um, and then we found, though, that the language that was being used um, wasn't satisfying them. They, again, they, they were trained in, in more process versus concept. So we started pulling in uh, terminology and activities from different methodologies to kind of blend uh, a better agile strategy for that organization. Now, one of the keys, um, again, in checking with an agile clown is ask them about team building because team building and, and building the strength of these teams and to get them to really to, to perform at a very high level, you have to have team building 
as part of the process to, to create the larger teams. You have to be intentional on how you build the teams and intentional in building the teams. Um, you know, so many people just rely on, on Tuckman's model that says, I'm going to put, you know, 10 people together, they're going to form, they're going to storm, you know, they're going to norm, then they're going to perform. And, and, and that, that's not necessarily correct uh, because you're, you're assuming that they're going to take all those activities on their own. And whether you agree with Tuckman model or not, you have to be intentional in team building so that you can build a high performing team. So we put team building in as part of the process uh, to, to create the larger teams. And then we um, had to adjust our portfolio uh, processes. We had to go through and start looking at, you know, how are we funding? How do we report against funding? And really take into account as well as a, as a business, right, as an overall whole from a CFO perspective, they had both waterfall and agile projects and they had initiatives and all kinds of other things. Well, at the end of the day, we've got to roll all that up into a common methodology. So whether a project's using waterfall, whether a project is, is being funded through agile teams or, or, you know, and I said project, whether an initiative is being funded through agile teams, as well as, you know, keeping the lights on type activity and operational activities, you've got to teach portfolio management process to account for all of those. And then one of the biggest things that, that we did, it's a model that we've talked about before. It's a model that's really starting to gain some attention as well, um, is really kind of two things. One, um, there's so many organizations that do capitalize development or capitalize certain things and, and be able to recoup costs. Well, a lot of finance departments that we've met with, they'll say, once you go agile, we, we can't do capital and expense. And we've actually built a model that we can show them where capital and expense is aligned to the story points that we're tracking and that that is actually more accurate and detailed than when you time track. And if you think about it, you know, time tracking, there's a lot of, you know, inherent messed up processes in time tracking. There's, there's, you know, one of the processes we call time dumping. That's where, the resource is tired, don't remember, so they'll just throw all their time against one project um, or on a single line of their timesheet. Uh, there's there's people who embellish their timesheet to make it look like they're working more than not, right? So there's a lot of percentage points that you can lose of accuracy through human error and just the the reality of time tracking. And, and to get to cost, you have to have something. Well, in an agile model, you, you don't get partial credit for story points. And I think that's one of my favorite things about Agile is that it's either 100% complete or 0% complete, and that's it. And so, therefore, you can have what your planned activity was. We plan to do 40 story points. The story points are broken across features. Features are attached to initiatives, so to epics. Epics are attached to initiatives. So, based on the features that we've selected to put into a sprint, I know what the percentage breakout is all the way back up to the initiative of cost. I also know that I've got an agile team and regardless of the story I told in the first segment, uh, you plan that, you know, I've got 10 people on this team. They're each 80 hours. Here's the cost. Divide that by the story points applied to the initiative. So that's my planned cost for the sprint. At the close of the sprint, you see how many points were actually completed. So let's say uh, we didn't do all the work that we were supposed to. So it was 35 points. Well, when we completed 35 out of 40, your actual cost then will show the, the same activity. You take the 80 hours divided by 35 now, so the cost per story point completed goes way up, and you apply that as an actual cost back to, um, to the initiatives, and now I know... Well, we planned, you know, $50,000 and then we were going to get 40 points done. We spent $50,000. We only got 35 points done. So we're behind on our budget. It's costing us more. So it, it's, it's a pretty simple math solution that really has a ton of complexities in it. At the same time, because agile work is generally broken down further than most project schedules are because, because of the nature of it, you end up tagging the work automatically there so I know what's capital and what's expense. So a lot of companies will either just do a formula or they'll say based on the phase of the project, so we've, we've gone out of initiation, now we're into development, 
any of the time spent prior to that date is expense, any of the time spent post that date, we can capitalize that we actually can get down to the physical activity that was done for today and whether that was capital or expense and be able to roll that up appropriately. So we're actually more accurate and detailed than time tracking can provide us. And that was, that was a huge win. So when we were done with this organization, um, they had, you know, strategy and value aligned. They're speaking in, in the right terms. Uh, teams are aligned to strategy. Uh, we taught them how to manage the portfolio and then created a capital expense model uh, on top of that. And, and all of that cost them about $110,000 versus the $350,000 that they'd already spent. And, and it didn't, it didn't work out. So um, that to me is, is kind of a, a nice little case study for you on, um, on, you know, a, a poor agile transformation versus one that really generates results. Um, I said that there was two things to the capital expense model. So the second thing that we do is we have a branch or a, a, an arm of us that we can bring in. And we also teach the organization on top of doing capital and expense, how to recoup their costs um, through R&D tax credits. And so again, that's a huge thing that, that's available to organizations. Most of them don't even start a journey down this path. And we actually build it into our model. So beyond being able to capitalize salaries against um, you know, future work, we also uh, show that, that the investment that they made in us and what we actually delivered was qualified for an R&D tax credit. And they're able to write the cost of the project towards a, a tax credit at least um, for the work that they did with us. So um, there's a lot of benefits into our financial models in, 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 in doing that. So the, the last thing to really talk about, just so that people understand the complexity, when somebody says they're going agile, I always like to say, well, what, what type of agile are you? And again, most companies will go, well, we've kind of adapted our own. And that's fair. But you can search on the internet for uh, a, a graph, and it's, it's one of my favorite pictures to throw up w w when I'm speaking to an audience. Um, and it's, it's actually done by Christopher Webb. Um, and he built this beautiful thing. This is the Agile Landscape V10, and it looks like an incredible. It, it looks like the subway map of of London. Um, really cool, really well done, but shows you truly how many options and how complex you know an agile transformation can be. And so, I guess your final point of of how to uh, stop an agile clown is to ask them to explain the map to you and when you should be able to, to dive off into the other subway route. So pretty cool thing, Agile Landscape V10, spelled by Christopher Webb. You just put that into Google, you'll see the image I'm talking about. If it looks like a subway map, you know exactly what I'm talking about. So we're gonna take our final break right here. We're gonna be right back to wrap up this topic. You're listening to the Work-Life Balance with Rick Morris. Are you frustrated with the overall productivity of your project management processes? Do you lack consistency in project delivery? R-Squared Consulting provides end-to-end -end services to assist companies of all sizes in realizing and improving the value of project management. Whether you want to build a project management office, train project managers, or learn how to bring the oversight and governance to your project processes, R-Squared has tailored best practices to help you in all areas of project management. Visit rsquaredconsulting.com. In today's hyper-fast, super-competitive business world, on time is now too late, on budget is now too expensive, and today's innovation is tomorrow's antique, which means app releases that used to happen regularly now need to happen continuously, while always delivering experiences that keep your customers coming back for more. In other words, you need to be agile, and there's no better way to get there than with agile management from CA Technologies a complete set of solutions and services that make agility a reality. So you can anticipate and rapidly respond to change and immediately incorporate customer feedback, build a flexible bridge between ideas and execution, and transform app delivery from an endpoint into an always-on part of your development lifecycle while ensuring an exceptional service experience. So be the one who wins. App after app, day after day, with Agile Management from CA. 
Are you getting the most out of your project management software? In many cases, it is not the software that is failing, but the implementation, limitations, or processes surrounding the use of that software. R-Squared can analyze your current use and help improve your return on investment. R-Squared can also suggest the best software for your organization and goals and assist in the selection, implementation, and training. Allow R-Squared to ensure that you are getting the value of your investment. Visit rsquaredconsulting.com today. From the boardroom to you, Voice America Business Network. You are tuned in to the Work-Life Balance. To reach Rick Morris or his guest today, we'd love to have you call into the program at 1-866-472-5790. Again, that's 1-866-472-5790. If you'd rather send an email, Rick can be reached at rmorris at rsquaredconsulting.com. Now, back to the Work-Life Balance. And we are back to the Work-Life Balance for this final segment on this Friday. And uh, we've been talking about Agile Clowns, how to stop them. And so I'm going to wrap all of this uh, topic back up with how things have changed for me in my view um, of a quote that, that radically changed the, the way I look at the profession that comes from 2002, comes from our great friend Rob Tomset, who we had on the show um, about four or five months ago. And, you know, he wrote in his book, Radical Project Management, the projects fail because of context, not content. And again, the, the meaning of that statement really is, you generally develop the content uh, of what it is that you're trying to develop or deliver, but from a contextual standpoint, did we do it on time? Did we complete it all the way? Did it cost what we thought it would be? That's where we determine projects fail or succeed. And so what we've started to say then that is project management, strategy management, portfolio managers, we're establishing the context then agile teams and in you know product owners, scrum masters, all of those are, are developing the content, and so we still will see that projects fail because, or it, it, we can take the word project and use initiative, but initiative initiatives will fail because of the context, not the content of what was actually delivered, and so you have to have a mindset as you're going through agile to make sure that you're not only developing better ways or more streamlined ways to develop the content, but that you manage the context around it. And that's really key for, for organizations to, to, to be successful. So just to recap again, you're going to want to interview your, your agile consultant, make sure that they understand that, you know, the reporting aspects that they're teaching the process uh, versus the concept, or I'm sorry, the concept versus the process, that they're aligning value and strategy prior to funding the Agile teams or even aligning the Agile teams. And the, I think the funniest comment of all of this, <coughs> excuse me, is when they, when an Agile consultant comes in and says, we need to train everybody in the organization first, then we're going to align teams, then we're going to start to you know, do this, do this, do this, do this. They're actually prescribing a waterfall format. John Stenbeck and I were talking one day, and, and that realization hit us um, like, like, like a two-by-four that says, why are agile consultants prescribing a waterfall methodology to turn an organization agile? Why are they not iterating growing, understanding, changing, adapting, finding out what works, finding out what doesn't work, and adapting the process, um, which is it, agile thinking. Um, and it really, can, again, comes back to when they're teaching the process versus concept, what they're doing is they only know one way to roll it out. They only know one way in which it's supposed to work, and that's waterfall. If any of those things fail, then then the whole thing fails, and that's why your agile consultant needs to be agile themselves. And, and that's what it really comes down to. They, they have to live it, breathe it, understand it, and, and be adaptable uh, without having to, you know, prescribe a, a, a format or flow or, or methodology. All right, so that's the topic this week, Agile Clowns, how to stop them. Again, next week I'm going to be uh, in Buffalo, New York. Uh, that's a private event, so that's where we'll be next week. The following 
week, though, I do go back to Buffalo for a couple of days, and then I will be out in Los Angeles with hopefully many, many of you uh, as as we attend the Leadership Institute uh, meeting for Project Management Institute uh, in Los Angeles. We'll be out there uh, October uh, 3rd through the 7th. Um, will be in Los Angeles. So if you're listening to this uh, via live or via podcast and you're going to be out there, come find us. Uh, we'll definitely be there. Uh, I know John Stanbeck will be out there. I'll be out there. Uh, I'm pretty sure uh, Michael O'Brock is going to be out there and then a lot of our favorites uh, from PMI. So uh, join us in Los Angeles if you can. That's October 3rd through the 7th. That's going to be a fantastic event. Um, We've got uh, several guests that we, we picked up that, that, that's coming up on the show. Um, we'll start to announce some of those as, as we get closer to that. Uh, but uh, I know who they are, and I don't want to, uh, don't want to tease you um, too much So uh, as soon as we start to get closer. Um, the next major event that uh, after LIM that we're speaking as November 7th, uh, we'll be hosting again a, a, what we call a PMI virtual conference, PMI Expo. Um, so I will be there, uh, again, hosting hopefully another 25, 30,000 of you um, as we have some phenomenal speakers and, and we host you through. With all of that, we are going to say goodbye for this week. Um, we hope that you hit me up. Let me know, you know, if you're out there. Let me know if you're listening. I just want to hear from you guys. So you can hit me up on Twitter at, at Rick A. Morris. Um, you can email me at Rick at RickAMorris.com or rmorris at rsquareconsulting.com. Find us on Facebook. Find us on LinkedIn. Let me know if you found any of this uh, helpful around, uh, you know, Agile Clowns. If you're in the middle of a transformation, let me know how it's going um, because we love to get the feedback from the audience to, to find out, you know, what's happening out there. Um, I get more and more amazed with the, the more companies that I talk to of, of their current status and, and hope that they would uh, be able to, to find some better people. Um, but, um, I love hearing the stories. We love digging in, finding out what's working, what's not working, and then take all that information right back to you, um, as our user. So, uh, or, or listener for that matter. So with all of that, we're going to say goodbye this week. We'll talk to you next week. You've been listening to the work-life balance with Rick Morris. Thank you for joining us this week. The Work-Life Balance with Rick Morris can be heard live every Friday at 2 p.m. Pacific Time and 5 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Now that the weekend is here, it's time to rethink your priorities and enjoy it. We'll see you on our next show.